all filled up on beer again, which is good. Yep. What are you guys drinking? You guys drinking uh, you Lost drink? Lager? What is just a lager? Yeah, just a lager. Keep it refreshing. Keep it fresh. I was drinking the hazies yes the other day. The which one? Right? Hazy, hazy pale. Oh, from oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in Australia, we we oh no, I'm happy with these. But in Australia, that hazy, like hazy IPAs and hazy pale, are like my jam. But like eight percent beers, twelve percent like the yeah, beer. yeah, yeah, munge beer. I we, I had a <laughs> we had a night with a few boys the other day. There's a, a brewery called Hope Brewery. It's connected to a winery, so they make some really interesting beer. And they've got these four beers that are like proper big boy beers. So two of them are 11.1%. Two of them are 18%. So one can was 5.3 standard drinks. So Ooh. we we were we were going to all drink f- all four of them ourselves, And we're like, hold on, if we drink four of them, like we are in proper trouble. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So yeah. we, we shared one can We are not young each. men anymore. <laughs> yeah. So we shared one can each. And what what, what was it like? Was it, was, it, it was all over the place. Was it? More stouty than there was a else. red ale, there was a black ale. Oh, right. There was a, 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 a sextuple IPA, is the way they read it. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Big, big, yeah, big, yeah. big IPA. Um, yeah, crazy. Well, flavors all over. But one of them wasn't too good, but then like the last 18% was just, it was mind blowing. Really? Like, you're like, yeah, it's crazy. Because sometimes you have these like really like strong ones and they just, Oh yeah, it's so just the useless. taste goes, right? It's just useless. Like, yeah, it is, yeah. It is just yeah. a. It's well, a they they get symbol. really weird in their taste. Like, yeah. there's a lot of flavor and taste in it, but you're like, Ugh. yeah, I don't, that's tastes almost like a dessert or like because it's yeah. thick and syrupy. And, and, yeah. Have you tried those milk stouts? That yeah, yeah. I, no. I don't. I can't get with them. Can't like, do they, them. they just mm. can't. Yeah, they just don't sit right. But the, I know people who absolutely adore them, and it's like there is um there's a one of my one of my teammates um Jason he uh Pardo's brewery and it's in and they do a collab beer with a whiskey distillery oh. um Lark in Tasmania so what happens is Lark um distills a, a a whiskey ages it in a barrel empties the barrel into a bottle sends the barrel to the brewery or a few barrels the brewery then makes a smoked porter then puts that porter into those barrels ages it for 6 months or something like that then puts it into a, a a can, sends the barrel back to the distillery. The distillery then puts whiskey back into it, ages that, and then as like a finishing cask, and then bottles that. And so then you have this. Um, it's called Wolf of the Willows, um, and it's like this can. It's like eighteen percent alcohol there, and then the whiskey is like a sixty percent yeah, alcohol. Yeah. But they kind of complement like a boilermaker. You'd have a boilermaker, you know, yeah, whiskey yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man. They are like to die for, to die for. Lockdown vibes. There was a lot of them going. Oh yeah. (laughs) Jealous. Right, Lizzie. We are about to start again. Oh, that was that wasn't part of the podcast. No, that's got to be part of the podcast. That will be the watch because the bonus bit at the end. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's Andrew promoting drinking heavy alcohol. Yeah, Yeah. end credits. We'll have drinking like an Aussie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I funnily enough on this trip, I reckon I've drunk the least. Than I have in a while. I actually said to Lauren as I was um, saying goodbye to her today, I said, I reckon I'm going to lose weight this trip because I've been walking so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I haven't drunk. And in I've, this heat. Yeah. yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In, in the, well, I mean, this normal I mean, Sorry, yeah, yeah. In this, wa- dying, in this warmth. <laughs> in the warmth. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, like, other than like Das yesterday where I had a, a few more beers than I normally would, like, I reckon I haven't, I've had maybe two or three beers here, two or three beers there. Do you know what the problem is? You didn't go to Edinburgh. It's very true. Yeah. yeah I if mean, I went to Edinburgh and hang out with people like you, I would be in trouble. Yeah. 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 Not was... as much trouble as we'd be in. All <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, oh, the Aussies here. Fuck it, let's get on it then. And all of a sudden, we hit the pub again. Yeah. 
After good burgers, though. Oh, they were. I, st- I walked past a, a truffle burger place. I had to take a photo and send it to Andy. <laughs> I'm like, are you coming down? And he couldn't come down because he had to get his some teeth work done because he's getting married. So he, got really? he wasn't a dust because he was at the dentist getting teeth work. Wow. I'm like, really, buddy? <laughs> All right. Okay, okay, okay. D- don't put that one on. <laughs> <laughs> don't put that one on, please. I love you, Andy. You're a good boy. Have you not pressed record? Oh, it's not as easy now, is it? Not easy, is it? Pressing record. Bloody amateurs. Yep. You need to have one big button. You go, boom, and it turns them all on. That would make you life a lot easier. You can actually probably tee that up. Yeah. I mean, Stream I, Deck. I, yeah, surely. get a Stream Deck. I feel like that's uh, something that someone needs to design and build. I mean, you're, you're, you're at Road, aren't you? Or near Road. Near in Australia. Yes, yes, yes. Compared to us. Yes. Yeah. I have a chat to them. Wander down there and figure that out for you, you know. Sure. And get him his. Uh, he's waiting on his one of his one of the products as well. So just pick. I'm that waiting up on a road duo. So if you can. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you just pick that up at the same? That'd be great. Yeah. I mean, I might. There's that stereotypical. If you, if, uh... if you want to order and pay for it, <laughs> I'll pick it up and I might send it your way. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> might. So impactful. So you you were the one who were talking on stage and you were talking about clients and. Um, and you were also explaining to us and um, saying that basically it's not all about regulation. It's not all about filing tax returns. And I think when you said that, what happened to me was it kind of struck a chord. And every time I'm on stage now, it almost comes cliche now because I'm saying, everyone in the room, how many of you actually become an accountant because you like to file VAT returns or tax returns or all that sort of stuff? And actually... The reason we want to be accountants or the reason we enjoy our profession is because we like helping other, other businesses and, and yeah. helping them figure out problem solve and, and go from there. And I think that for me is the impactfulness of where you're coming from. It's, mm. it's bringing it down to actually doesn't matter what tech's out there that's going to make our X, Y, Z job easier. Actually, Whatever that job does just gives us more time to actually be impactful, right? And, 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 and I mean, you think about it, like we are one of the greatest impactful industries out there in that we work with business owners and small businesses who have families, who have uh, customers, who have communities. And so if we are able to serve our clients well, they have a profitable, sustainable impactful business now you could remove the sustainable impact what you could just say they can make a fuck ton of money but like that means they're sustainable and that means they have the ability to make impact so and you look at that and you go well if you've got 50 clients 100 clients a thousand clients imagine the breadth of the impact you can have if you choose to operate and service your clients in a certain way and so at illuminate we talk a lot about impact before income uh, and what that effectively is saying is we need to ensure that our services are designed to help and support and care and 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 really get the clients what they want, and then we know we'll be paid well. If we're just trying to make money, oh, hey, how can we do this and charge them more for it? Um, does Do they actually need it? <laughs> Who cares? Like, if you have that approach, eventually clients will figure out that you're just trying to make money yeah. out of them. And additionally... You're potentially not actually thinking about what the client needs. You're just trying to suit your own personal needs. And and I'm not saying that every business coach out there does this, but those business coaches out there are often trying to find ways for you to make more money. Are they trying to find ways for you to make more impact? 
some of them will talk about that, which is great, but not all of them will. And I think that's where sometimes it gets lost out there in that particularly um, having a conversation with a client. I, I threw out LinkedIn um, a couple of days ago before DAS. Um, I think there's fear in our industry in having conversations with clients, but I'm not sure what that fear is. You know, is it imposter syndrome? Is it, um, oh, I don't want to give them bad advice? Is it, I don't know what to say? And and there was a bunch of feedback that came back and like, you know, maybe people, you know, they don't have the white piece of paper that says they're capable of doing it. Or, um, you know, they, they just don't have a structure to be paid to deliver those kind of things. And that they're not getting paid for or they don't have a structure to get paid for came out a few times. And I was like, hold on. I think people are looking, you're looking at this wrong. I said... Why can't we have a conversation with our clients? You thought, why aren't we getting paid for advice? Yeah. And yeah. I think as an industry, we're still forgetting the human element of having a conversation. Now, that's not to say we should sit down and have a chat for a few hours and not get paid for it. But that's just saying like when we're saying hello to our clients and we're about to talk about their tax, can we take a minute and just be like, how you doing? What are you, what's up? What's going on? Or if I pick up on something that they're saying – if they talk about their kids being unwell, if they're saying they have some struggles with something, or if you mention something and you can see that they respond in a way that's like, oh, hold on, something's going on there. How do we be comfortable to actually go where that conversation takes us? As opposed to, and you owe $10,000 to the tax department and here's my bill for a thousand bucks. Thank you very much. Catch you later. Oh, if you want to talk more about that, sign this proposal and give me another thousand dollars and then I'll yeah. talk to you about it. And it's not saying... We shouldn't be paid for that kind of stuff, but it's saying there's a way to go about it where clients think that we're actually, not think, clients know that we give a shit. Because yeah. if it's money first, conversation second, oh, you need to be paid before you'll help me, which is true. We should be, but the experience is totally backwards. And thus, our clients don't have the trust in us that we're actually acting with their best interest. You might remember something I said last year as well is like, how do we ensure that our clients? believe truly that we're operating in their best interests. Mm, mm. And the statistics out there show that like, I think it used to be 51% of people think that um, accountants act with low or very low ethics and honesty. Yep. And then post pandemic, that number actually went to something like 65, 70%. Um, so that says that people don't think we're operating with, it, with their best interests at heart. Or maybe they just think we're dodgy and claiming dodgy shit. But, but how do we change that? Because then that brings trust. That brings longevity of client. That brings more income to us because we have a more sustainable client who appreciates our services. And if we also happen to live in the community where these businesses are operating, our communities become better. We have better quality stores, better quality cafes, you know, people who can afford to like, you know, care for their family, care for their homes. And all of a sudden, our local communities become better because of that too. So... As, as accountants, we're in such a unique spot to create so much impact that sometimes we just worry about putting numbers in boxes and keeping people out of jail because that's what the tax man says we have to do. You know what? The shit I've been spouting for the last year, which I thought was original, I've just realised where I've learnt it from. <laughs> <laughs> it was that night in Edinburgh. That, oh, now you, you're yeah. like, oh, that's all right. I, I knew I'd heard it somewhere. You I just woke up in remember. a stupor somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah, I mean, and it is that impact. So, like my firm, we we operate on our advice is free. Yeah. If you wanted to implement it, yeah, that's going to cost you. That's an interesting model. Like, if you want to ask me questions about capital tax return, capital gains, right? I'll answer those questions. If you then go and file your own capital gains tax return, I don't care. 
I've given you the right information. Good luck getting it right, but yes. Yeah, good luck. Yep. But I've given you the right information, and I feel better about myself as a human than lead, let, telling you, if you're not going to pay me to do it, go and see Google. Whereas, you know, I want to make sure that they're at least going in the right direction. Nine see, I, I wouldn't dollars. go that far, but I, that's, that's ballsy from you. Like, if someone wants to do it, good luck to them. Mm. They know where we are to mop up after them. Yeah. Because it'll cost double. <laughs> but realistically, they don't do that. But realistically, they don't. Because they go, right, I now, ex- I now understand what you're going to do to my capital. But I want to make sure it's right. Can you please go? Like my, so my parents-in-law, my mother-in-law, her dad passed away last year. They'd, they owned his house. They brought it from the council decades ago. So they rang and said, can you come around for a coffee? We need a hand with our capital gains tax return because we've sold the property. So, yeah, no problems. Went round, had a coffee, and they said, right, we th- we've done the calculation. We've read the website. We think we're going to have a tax bill of like, £10,000 each. I said, yeah, you've completely misunderstood half of these rules. Mm. So I did the tax return there and then for them, logged in, got them all sorted out with government gateway. They're not the most tech-savvy people. Yep. And actually their tax return, the tax bill each – was like four and a half grand yeah. each. So you saved them. I saved them for you. Yeah. Uh, they brought me two steak meals because of it. Because it's a family deal. Good steaks, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Proper, yeah. proper steakhouse. <laughs> but like, so I am happy to go and say, you've got it wrong, and this is why. And if you want me to do it properly for you, that's fine. I'll charge you mm. two steak meals. Or you can go and do it yourself. Yeah. And Nine I... out of ten times, they'll always say, Thank you for explaining. Can you make sure we've done it right? I'm happy to pay for that. Yeah, I, I, and I guess what you're saying there is you, you're kind of like you're you're headlining the potential result. Yes. You're not giving them the breakdown on exactly, okay, you, if you do this and this and this and this, you're saying, well, based on the thing, if it's held like this, it's like that, you, you potentially can utilize this exemption, yep. that exemption, and you might actually be able to pay little to no tax. Um, he, feel free to go follow it up if you want. If you want me to look after it, I can. And, exactly. and and so we would do something like that too, where we'd give a we'd give the client confidence that we know what we're actually doing. Yeah, exactly. And we would only take on the work and be paid for it if we actually are going to add yeah. a benefit. So I'm not sat there crunching the numbers for them. I'm just saying you need to look at this, this, and this element. Right. Mm. You know, when someone says, "Oh, can I claim this for my VAT return, or can I claim this on my personal tax return?" I will happily say yes or no, free of charge. That's fine. Because it builds trust and it demonstrates expertise. And then what you do is you put it into a blog and you have it on your website and you just refer people through. Yep. And then it's like, mate, here's all. And, and this, I mean, we're going on different tangents right now, but that is a, a, a tried and, and true example of if you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. If you give them... All the information they will recognise that you are actually the person that they want to look after it because yep. it's like the the marketer who runs a free marketing course. You know, you come to a two hour free marketing course on how to use Facebook, and at the end of the end of the session, eighteen out of the twenty people that are in there go, "Hey, can you just do it for me?" Yeah, because clearly this is a, over over my head. I'm glad that I've got some basic knowledge, but I don't know how to do it. Away you go, and it's a, it's a sales strategy. Yeah, but it's at the same time when approached well, it is a a true authentic way of saying I want to be able to help as much as I possibly can but I do still need to be paid and lockdown was a great example of that for us we were running two to three webinars a week walking through 
all the situations on the grants you can get, yep. how you yep. go about it, yep. um, all the different things, everything, 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 everything. And then like, hey, if you want us to do it, there's a type form, fill it out. And we're only going to charge you 250 bucks to do this transaction for you. Um, but we've given you everything that you can go do it if you want yourself. Yep. And more often than not, people would ask us to do that. Because yep. they're like, well, I'm going to get 10 grand. Um, and I don't want to risk it happening. And I'd rather having someone who's, and, and also I appreciate the support you're doing. And so please go and do it for us. Yeah. And it, it's the same way with the content we do, right? Because the only negativity we'll ever get for our content, so we're talking about YouTube content and putting ourselves out there, is that there are a few accountants out there who are upset that we are giving stuff away that they would happily charge for. But as you're saying, as you're you know rightly explaining to people, like, we shouldn't be holding on to that. That's not no. our it's not our right. What we're doing is we're building a trust. So suddenly that client has a trust in us as as you know experts. We we bridge that gap to them. They may not want us our services there and then, but we'll be the first in mind if they do need services later down. Absolutely. Right? And more often than not, I mean, these are mechanics, these are architects, these are doctors, they're not accountants. So whilst you're explaining concepts and giving them opportunity to understand what they could and couldn't do. They're not capable of executing it themselves. Yeah. They still need an expert to do so. Yeah. But what you're doing is you're saying, Hey, I am an expert and I understand this and you've now seen how I communicate and how I behave. And if you connected with me, then great. Maybe I'm the one for you, which is a fantastic, I mean, it's a, it's marketing, right? Um, best saying I think I ever got told, which is by um, Karen Rayburn by profitable firm yeah. was uh, great marketing divides. So by putting good quality marketing out there, you are allowing people to know who you are and what you're about. And so people go yes or no. And so great, I've put information out, people can do deal with it as they want, and they might want me to now be their accountant because of that, or they might want to have nothing to do with me. And both of them are great results. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a lot of it's down to culture, ethos, ethics. It's like, you know, a lot of accountants in the UK did well during COVID. Yep. Oh, you need a cash flow to be able to apply for a loan. I'm going to charge you £500,000 for that. So there's no long-term vision there. Whereas I was like, if I help you get this loan, that's going to take me half an hour to an hour to two. It means your business survives and you're grateful to me for helping you. Your business survives. That means if it survives for another five years because of this because you've got this loan actually that's five or more years of monthly fees i'm getting mm -hmm. or i can charge you 500 to a thousand pounds to do a cash flow that's going to take me an hour you decide no i'll do it myself you get it wrong you don't get the loan your business goes bust and i'm not getting any more fees or that's soured because and my local fish and and they go i can't get my favorite bloody fish and chips on a friday night now busy shut like yeah 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 like I could make £500 in my bank today or I could make £5,000 in my bank over the next five years. Oh, what's the, um, it's the author. It's, it's, uh, I, don't know, I, think, uh, I think it's actually Simon Sinek and it, it's about long-term game. Yeah. The long, yeah. The, yeah. the, the long game versus the short yes. game. It's like, are you, um, that's a different phrase, damn it. Infinite gain. The infinite gain. Bang. That's the one. Is it Simon Sinek? Yes. Yeah. 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 And I love that concept is like, are you just thinking about today? Or tomorrow? Yeah. Or are you looking for an in, like an ongoing long-term like, environment of what this looks like? Apple's always looking at, I don't care how many like Vision Pro headsets I sell next year. What Seven. I care 
Yeah, two of them. Two of them are like, <laughs> You morons. <laughs> <laughs> but what they actually care about is that they know this is going to establish them in that marketplace for the next 10, 15 years where they will sell millions yes. in that time. Just like Google did. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> I did so well. <laughs> Google Glasses. Google Google got glasses. a pair of them. <laughs> yep. Yep. Or yeah. the um, or the was it the Instagram frames as well? Do you remember the Insta oh, frames? Was it or was it Snapchat? Yeah, it's Snapchat frames. Yeah. The glasses that had inbuilt and you can. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They no, I did not probably. see them. Oh, did you not? You, were you that's were you why. on Snapchat? <laughs> no. Well, that's probably why. Okay. I also wasn't, but I knew of it because Trent McLaren asked me if my glasses were Snapchat frames. I'm like, what's Snapchat frames? <laughs> what's Snapchat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's start from the beginning. Yeah. So, I think what we've established here so far is that. You've dem de definitely demonstrated your core values. You've shown everyone that if you can, you know, have belief in your ethos and you can put that through, then you can build and, 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 and you've shown that. What's, what do you feel like your role is next? Because this whole idea of that, I know you said you've got to have that talk and you've got to go through there, but mm. what do you think your role's going to be now? Like, I suppose it's going to be dependent on what your management team want you to do. Mm -hmm. But talk us through what what's going through your mind now. Like, what do you feel like that role is going to be going forward? So, I think one of the biggest things that I've been paying attention to, thinking about, pondering all that stuff is where am I the most valuable? And I remember when I I announced to the leadership team that I was going to take time off and then what it would potentially look like when I return. I was very careful on how I communicated it because I recognized that there could be like five people in the room going, the fuck, what are you doing? Hold on, you're leaving? What's going on? Um, and so it's very intentional to say, I recognize that over the last few years, the state of our business and the things that we've had to do because of lockdowns, pandemics, and all the other things that have been going on, that I haven't been able to focus where I am the most valuable and as a result, you haven't got the best from me. When I return, I want to focus where I'm the most valuable. And where that is, is in growth, vision, culture, and development. It is not in operational stuff. It is not in client deliverable stuff. It is absolutely not in doing tax returns. And what was very pleasing to me at the time when I said that I could see every single head nodding. And going, Thank God he's not going to do any more tax returns. <laughs> yeah, well, I hadn't done some for a while, but like it was this recognition of them saying, and and because because at the same time that is the stuff that I love doing is the growth stuff. Like I want to find new people to work with, I want to find new new team members to work with, and I want to find new opportunities for us to do, and I want to make sure it, it sticks to and adheres to our values and our vision of the business. And so seeing the team nod and go, yes, that's where you are the most valuable, maybe go like this is this is good like the f i i had fear that it would come back and they'd be going no andrew we need you to like hold more client meetings because that generates us revenue i was i was half expecting there to be a bit of that now there was a bit of a whole so what do we do with all the clients you look after and we, we've worked through that so so yeah i think it also it's a statement to you and your leadership that there's a lot of people in accounting businesses that are not very self-aware of what their true skills and passions are. Yep. 
And I think it takes a lot for someone to be to sit down and go, what am I good at? What do I enjoy? And sometimes that doesn't tie in with a job description or a traditional point of view. Yeah. But the fact that your team also recognizes and agrees with what you've assessed as your passions and skill set is, yeah. says a lot. Yeah. It's about courage, the culture right? you've got. Mm. Yeah. It's courage, mm. right? It's like, I know what's holding my firm back at the moment is that I'm too hands-on with everything. I know that. But I haven't got the courage yet to go, let's take a step back. Let's let's do what, what you're saying. Mm. Like, let's focus on what your skills are. And I feel like that's something everyone can take away from because it, it sounds like the dream, right? It sounds mm. like you're living this... This, this fantasy life but ultimately you're, you're you've got courage to go right actually for the firm to progress further better do more impactful stuff which is what you're all about then you need to take a step back from the operation side you need to take a step back from the client delivery side and i think that is is huge i mean yeah well i mean mate in honor of the 10-year anniversary of the movie frozen let it go <laughs> And that's and to be honest, for me, that is this is the year of letting go. It yeah. is, and I think this is something really important for for all of us. Like whether you're a business owner, whether you're a Jew, like whether you're just a human being with a pulse, there is stuff that we have to just let go of. Yeah. We hold on to things too tightly. Whether it's responsibilities, whether it's that sentence someone said to me that made me feel whatever. Like we hold on to stuff, and it, and it prohibits our growth. It restricts us from actually getting done the things we want to get done and enjoying the stuff that we want to enjoy. Being fucking happy. Like, I've held on to things that my team have said way too tightly than I should have that has created fear and doubt and imposter syndrome. Am I actually a good leader? Do they actually care about me? Am I actually capable of doing these things? And you hold on to that and you start believing that shit. Um, in the famous words of Frozen, let it go, man. Like, it, literally, I've got a tattoo coming soon. It's just going to be right there in my arm, and it's going to say, let it go. Because I think we need to be constantly reminded, like, it's not, in the scheme of things, it's not all that important. And the more that we're comfortable to let things go, then we get to see the potential of what was actually sitting behind that wall that we'd built. Mm. And that's in, like, in our businesses, not practices, in our businesses... If we're holding on to things because we're the best person, no one else can do it as good as I can do it, we're not allowing that person just to prove themselves. Now, it might be true that you are the best person at doing that, but if you create space, you might allow someone to be just as good, if not better than you. And it won't happen immediately though, right? So I, I, I know that there's been things that I've let go, um, whether it's you know servicing certain clients, holding certain meetings, doing certain tasks, um, like one of the last things I was holding on to for ages was like the financial management of the business. I'm like, we're a business that's turning over like close to 3 million. Like I shouldn't be doing that. There should be a, a financial person internally doing that. Um, and so I let it go and it kind of went to shit and it, but then they picked it up and built out what it should look like going forward. So you just have to be comfortable that things won't be what you want it to be initially. And your natural reaction is to go, oh, give it back to me. I'll fix it. Yeah. You're obviously not doing it. Or get frustrated and get angry and start pointing the finger and going, geez, these people are bloody useless. It's how do we give them time? But also how do we ensure that we don't just delegate it, but we empower them to get it done well? So, hey, how can I help you? How can I support you? I don't want to get in your way. 
but I'm here. So if you want to talk to me about how I've solved that problem, mm. I'm happy to share that. But more importantly, I want to know how you want to solve that because holy crap, you might have a better idea than I've had. And to be honest, now seeing some of the things that the guys are doing with finance at Illuminate, I'm like, oh yeah, that seems like you've got a better approach to it. I'm just a crazy ADHD guy that kind of like thought that was a really good way to do it and turns out maybe it was quite inefficient, you know? Love it. So what are you going to let go of, mate? Oh. What are you letting go of this year? Let's do a round table. I'm, 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 I'm taking over the podcast. Hi, this is Andrew from Ask the Accountant. I've got a couple of guests on here today, Aaron Vabofix. Aaron Vabofix, this next year, what are you, what's the one thing that you want to let go of? I think this is the year where I've got to put my big boy pants on. And I keep telling everyone this. I love that phrase. I have got to put my big boy pants on. And I feel like this is the year where I've got to uh, start thinking about the future of the firm. And we've already got plans in motion to look at an acquiring process. So yeah, suddenly it's going to go from just me to a leadership team and it's needed that for a while. So I like yeah, that. Big boy pants time. So uh, you are not going to let go of something. You're going to put on some big boy pants. Yeah, I've done it the wrong way, man. You're going <laughs> you, you, to take the speedos off and, and wear the, the, yeah, the yeah. slacks. Get that bikini off for for once and yep. actually, yeah, put it on. Right. So. Johan, what about you, mate? Um, um, so just this is my, my friend Johan on point um, accounting services. Uh, six, so, 12 months. What are you going to let go of, mate? I would argue I'm probably about 12 months ahead of Aaron. But I've got a leadership team. I've got a fantastic team around me. And I've been gradually letting go of mm. different things for a while. But actually, it is the it's the sales and the I know I can convert better. That I need to let go. Now, that is painful to let go because I'm also sat there thinking that every time they make a mistake, we lose a sale that I wouldn't have lost. So we're losing money here. But the as you said earlier, the only way that they're going to learn is to be doing it. Right. So, and by gaining the experience, because that's how I did it. Mm. I lost a lot of sales at the start mm -hmm. because I was refining my own approach. I mean, the, the guys have got a much better tool set than they ever had, than I ever had when I started out. Like, yep. they've got guidance, they've got my coaching and mentoring to help them get better at it quicker. And and you can build out systems, processes, tools, resources to empower them yes. to do well. Because if you simply go, all right, I just won't do sales anymore, you do it. Like, you're, you're setting them up to fail. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, I look forward on watching you burn. Yeah. Um, but if you can build that, like, hey, I've got everything you need. Yeah. So then if they do fail, um, you can have a hopefully a really healthy, positive conversation around that. And if they continue to, you can very clearly say you're not suited to this kind of a thing. Yeah. You've you've given them every opportunity. Exactly. Mm. But the beauty is, though, you will have already made X, Y, Z mistakes. You've hopefully been able to see that, you know what, if I tweak the system here or I do something, you've gone through most of those pain points. Yeah. And I feel like that's where we thrive, right? Like we have that opportunity that when we're, letting someone else take take the reins we can go you're gonna probably encounter this problem or you're probably gonna encounter that problem and that's we didn't get that when we were no building that system so yeah it, it should be a, an opportunity to let that person thrive at the end of the day and exactly. I think that's what's exciting yeah but you know one of my passions in my business has always been finding the latest tech and the latest software or We've just been told we do not like tech stacks in this. <laughs> no, we love tech stacks. We love to empower them. people to make an impact in their community. We need a good tech stack. So, I will. I like to look at that stuff. Yeah. Now, I've got a 
young lad in my firm. He's been with us for a year now, so I was having a bit of an informal chat with him and like, how are you getting on? Have you decided, have you got an interest you want to go and focus on? He was really unsure. I said, well, you know, have a think about it and come back. Let me know because I want to be able to support and focus our resources on helping you learn that. Anyway, we moved the chat on to, and I said, oh, what have you been up to this weekend? Hey, like, can I guess? Go on. Is your zero champion? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, oh, I was playing with AI. So on his weekend, on his time off, he sat there playing with AI because he enjoys tech and software and what its opportunities are. It's like, right, why don't you focus on that? Mm. What do you mean? So, well, you don't have to focus on becoming the best accountant or the best tax person or the best bookkeeper or the best payroll person. Yeah. Why don't you focus on the tech? Like I spend a lot of my time learning tech, mm. researching tech, working out if I implement that tech into this business, is that going to make an impact? Is that going to help? So I don't have to be the one that does that. And and also for he's him, he's passionate about it. He can do that. Yeah, and and with him being in the trenches, and he's the one you know, with X, Y, Z problem, then actually him he's finding a solution, a problem. He's got a true gonna, understanding of a solution. Yeah, it's going yeah. to impact a lot more of the team. Yeah. Three years ago, I had, I was in the trenches and I had that yeah. understanding of the pain point and what the tech solution could do. Now I'm going around conferences going, that sounds like it could solve the problem the guys were mentioning in last week's <laughs> team meeting, but I've not undergone the pain myself. Hmm. So actually, yeah, him doing it is going to be so much better. It's funny that transition you talk about there, which effectively is your your knowledge and understanding of the depth of technology as you remove yourself from things, it becomes less. Yep. Now, it doesn't mean you're not understanding. So early adopters up, we're part of early adopters up. Um, uh, and that is like early innovation, accounting technology and exposure. And I, um, I've i spent a lot of time with, with them kind of working on that stuff. And I, I've realized that like, uh, in terms of assessing technology for its merits as tech, I'm not good at that because I don't I don't spend enough time in that space. Yep. But in terms of understanding the value of technology, the importance of what it could do for a, a client's well-being, in terms of how it fits within you know a firm approach, in terms of how you might want to communicate to the accounting market, and those things, it's different. So now your your perspective on something is is different. So. As you have a, a different type of perspective, you can't not have the understanding of the, the tech tech stuff. Yep. So you have to find someone to fill that gap. Otherwise, you just have a void then. Yes. Or you're the one that's having to do it and you're not connected deep enough to it and you're making bad decisions as a result. Exactly. So um, for years, and by years, I mean for at least six years, I've been saying everyone needs a Shane. So Shane is one of the team members at Illuminate. He's one of our equity equity team members. Um, and he's effectively like head of operations, head of tech is the kind of way I describe what he does. And for years, we've just encouraged him to pursue the technology stuff that we do, whether it's, you know, building automated, you know, spreadsheets for stuff that we need to do or implementing cloud-based technology. Um, we've really encouraged him to kind of pursue that because he's in the trenches and he's a nerd. And I say that in a polite way. He's, yeah, yeah. he's fit as anything, an amazing human, yeah. um, but he gets that stuff. Whereas I was I was always great with technology, but I was never at that nerd level where I truly understood it. Um, so everyone needs a Shane or a, 
whatever your bloke's name is or you know everyone needs someone yeah. in their firm yeah. that truly is paying attention to technology it's not the differentiator from an external perspective but it can be a huge impact internally on efficiency it can be a huge impact on your staff team well-being like yeah. them actually yeah. enjoying their job yeah. oh this chunky piece of shit that we have to keep using i hate it oh great now i get to use something that's more enjoyable oh we've built something it's fun and it's exciting so yeah, that's so important. As we, as business owners, have less and less realistic understanding of how things work to make sure that we're filling that gap and not assuming that it has to be us still. Yeah, definitely. I think we can't leave this, and we've only got time for one or two, haven't we? But we can't leave this to learn more about the whiskey bar. Because <laughs> that, again... What happened to the whiskey bar? It, like, well, did, it, did it happen? Yeah. I have a whiskey bar. You have the whiskey it's, bar. It's been achieved. The... So... Regardless of the child coming along, you have your whiskey bar. <laughs> so for those listening, um, one of the things that I'm a, a very big outspoken person on is to publicly talk about the things you aspire for. Because then it creates accountability. Yes. And a beautiful example of that is two blokes from the other side of the world on a podcast asking me, talk to me about the whiskey bar. Like you wouldn't have known that if I didn't talk about that stuff. Yeah. I would I would often introduce myself on stage as a way of relating to people about oh what I do for a career, but also then what I hope and dream for. And it was one day I want to have a whiskey bar. And so we have one. And I and I kind of say kinda, because what we did is a couple of years ago, we bought a, a very large factory, which was way too big for what our business needed, but it would kind of from a price point, it made sense to. And so Illuminates fit out is upstairs and then downstairs is big co-working space, bunch of studios, bunch of desks, uh, fully podcast recording space. So if you're ever in Australia, you come, come record with us. An event space and a whiskey bar. So we now have built our own on-site whiskey bar. And when I say kinda, it's not a licensed whiskey bar. Now, we, we might have to go through getting licensing because the council is causing us some grief with just trying to hold events. We're not allowed to, we're not allowed to hold events, but we can be a bar. Blows my mind. Um, so we have one. So there's, you know, 50 odd whiskies on the shelf. There's a, um, you know, a couple of taps of beer that we can pour whenever we want. There's a, a fridge full of wine and soft drink and whatnot for whoever. And, and it's just, um, it's one of those things that you look back on and go, wow, like, like I, 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 I always pictured what it would look like and I knew it was never going to be like that, but like, we have we have one and and our tenants at the co-working space which is called the rumble um can appreciate and enjoy that um illuminate team can enjoy that our clients can pop on in there you know we hold parties every year and we do dumb things like have tattoo artists doing free tattoos all night long and all those kind of that kind of stuff but now we have that thing that we we set out for and we said we wanted to have and we can we can kick back and say yeah like we put our money where our mouth was we were held accountable. We communicated over and over again, and we got it done. And yeah, it's not a public whiskey bar yet, but it didn't have to be. It was an aspiration of saying there are things in life that make me happy, and whiskey is one of those things. Um, and it's and for me, whiskey it's not it's not you know drinking a shit ton of whiskey and getting in trouble. It's it's the experience of communal co collection with people. Yeah. Hey, what do you think about this? Oh, that's really interesting. And the stuff you learn from that. And for some people that's wine or food or music or whatever. But for me, it's, it falls into the whiskey space. So yeah, man, we got a whiskey bar. So like when you come on over, I'll, I'll hit you up. I'll give it. you, I'll give you a nip. I love it. And, that, and I think that's for, for everyone. I think more of a thank you because what that says is like, 
you had your dream, your aspiration, and yeah, it's, it's cool, right? Own a whiskey bar. Just but a, do it. But actually for you, you've gone and gone, I've owned my whiskey bar, now hold my beer, and now it's the next step, and you're evolving, and you've, and you've openly admitted that it's, you've not done learning. Like, mm. most people, I would assume, at your status of what you've got would go, I'm done. You're, well, you're openly that that was actually probably the hardest point. Um, so we had a, a leadership retreat about 12 months ago, not quite 12 months ago. It would have been in July. And at that leadership retreat, um, we talked about our personal five-year aspiration goal in life. And I really struggled for two reasons. Reason number one was, well, m everything I've been talking about lately has been a whiskey bar and allowing people to come into ownership at Illuminate, um, as well as some family stuff and house stuff, which we've achieved. So like the whiskey bar's there. I've got four people that are in equity at, at the business um, and the family house stuff's there. So I struggled to actually articulate what m my goal was for the next five years because I'm like, I, I didn't think I'd be at this point in this stage of life. I mean, I'm 37. I started Illuminate when I was 26. So like, I kind of did a bunch of stuff that you kind of would normally do, only start doing at this stage of my life. I did it yeah. ten, in, over the last 10 years. The second reason why it was really hard to talk about the next five years was because the day before, I found out we were pregnant with our third child. So you can imagine what it's like where your mind all of a sudden is all over the place. And it's like, so Andrew, tell us about your next five years. And I was, I was a mess. I, 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 for the first time in my life, flat out lied to a room full of people because I couldn't tell them yeah. that we're having a kid. So I was just like, oh, well, I want to, uh, this or that. It was, it was so bad. Like, and and I've told this story a number of times, but that two-day leadership retreat, particularly that day one, was probably the worst day at Illuminate I can ever recall. It was, we were the most disjointed, disconnected, unsupportive, argumentative, piece of shit group of people that I've seen ever. And hand on heart, it's because I, as the leader who should be leading this group of people, was just a mess. And the only person in the room who knew what was going on was Shay, who I mentioned earlier, who was helping me to coordinate the two-day retreat. And I remember calling her the day before when I found out going, so we're gonna have another kid. And she's like, oh, that's sweet. You're happy about that? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, no, no, I'm happy, I'm happy. Do I tell the team tomorrow or do I not? Cause like we, like I'm, they're all power to everybody in your choices, but like if we're having a kid, we're having a kid, and I'm I'm all about that. Um, and so that wasn't in question, but it was more like I don't know what five years now looks like. Yeah. And then I I stood up and lied, and I was very defensive and argumentative whenever I was asked questions about. Like I remember getting asked a question around the office that I have at Illuminate, and that how much time should I spend in there versus not? And I think my response was like, well, I've worked hard enough. I should, I, I've earned that. I deserve that, which isn't incorrect, but like in a leadership retreat where you're supposed to be supportive and collaborative, not a good, so it, it didn't go well. And so it wasn't until a month later where we actually told the team, 
um, at our full team day yeah. where I delivered the five-year vision. And, and then I went, oh, by the way, guys, I need to just add something on the end of this. Um, so we're expecting our third child. And everyone was like, what the actual fuck? Because they knew that we didn't have plan for another kid. And I think collectively the leadership team went, oh. That makes sense. <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. Oh, you were just. Ex- yeah. Yeah. And, and the, just nothing worked on that day because your head wasn't there. And and I think those, those things are challenging because for me, authenticity, transparency, and communicating truth is, is so high up on what is valuable to me. And the fact that I, I had to lie and, and like, it wasn't necessarily lying per se, you know, it's just more that I didn't know the truth. Yeah. I didn't know what the truth was. So I was just communicating whatever words kind of came out in a, in a dribble. So I can't even remember how we got onto this, but, um, yeah. Can I just like, obviously that's all, deep and powerful so i feel kind of terrible for going like ignoring it and going back to something you've already said but i'm gonna do it anyway so do it ruin the flow yeah vulnerability you were saying like i've got a whiskey room it's not how i envisaged it yep i've done this it's not how i've envisaged it necessarily but i think there's such an important point there that we all have dreams and goals but it won't always look how you envisage it. Oh, you get beat up if you think it has to be what exactly how exactly. you saw. Like my vision was a a basement whiskey bar um, that had then a walkway through with some bathrooms and the other side was a dumpling bar. And that that, that they would kind of service either you'd sit in this cool ass whiskey bar, you'd sit in this cool ass dumpling bar and, and it'd be sweet and it'd be amazing and be really cool. And you know what? Maybe one day that will still happen. Yeah. But like it was all about for me, realistically, what I was wanting to achieve was the ability to have um, something that I am passionate about, which is whiskey, um, connected with something that I'm passionate about, which is human connection and, and relationship. So, And it just looks like it, it does. It's I'm not kind of a whiskey bar. It is a whiskey bar. It is a whiskey you bar. You have got a whiskey bar. Like, you know, some people will look at, will have this picture of a house on their vision board or whatever they want to call it. And they'll be disappointed because that's not the house they buy. Mm. The house they buy might be even nicer. It might have all the same all the same features, if not more. But it's not the one on the vision board, so I've not met my vision. But also, you've got a bloody house, mate. Yeah, like like <laughs> celebrate you're doing that better than most people. Yeah, like people are so focused and blinker to things when they've got a vision and they've got a goal mm. that they miss out. But you have got whether it's got a public license or an event license or whatever it is. You've got your whiskey bar, which you set out two years to. Yeah. You said, I want a vision. I want a whiskey bar. It, now, I, you've now got three kids, which means you're not allowed to go out anymore <laughs> and enjoy well, the, the whiskey bar. The new but... one can sit in the bouncer whilst I'm at the, at the bar having a whiskey. <laughs> but it's that's not over here or there. You've got a whiskey bar. So uh, I think it was like six or so years ago, um, minus our third child, because he wasn't born at the time, we did six weeks through Europe. Um, uh, I, that's when I spoke, I think, at um, the Accountex for the first ever time. Oh, wow. As okay. well. So I kind of went, I went to Accountex and spoke, and then I caught up with family and, and did some other things. Um, uh, but what I, I had this revelation. We were in Paris, and I was angry. I'm not a, well, sorry, I'm not an angry man, but I'm not a patient man. And I've learned from an ADHD exploration I've been going through lately that that is somewhat connected to ADHD. Um, 
I was getting f angry at my family for not putting their shoes on fast enough in the morning and not doing this and we have to go, we have to get to the Louvre, we have to go look at this, we have to go do that. And I mean, the Louvre's boring as batshit anyway, realistically, but like we have to do all these things. But what it was is I was looking at what was in the future as yeah. opposed to what was right here and right yeah, now. And appreciates that. And it was, it was only when I think we went to the Luxembourg Gardens and I had like Raya, my one-year-old, or not, not, not even one-year-old at that point in time. I think she'd, she'd just fallen asleep in the pram. And Leora, who was three at the time, was like wanting to play with the boats in the little thing. And, and like we sat and I said this, like, look up, look at where you are, look at what you have, look at where you've come from. Like I, I grew up in a, in what is often regarded to as one of the worst suburbs in the country of Australia. Um, the joke for that a, uh, a famous person said once was I could buy that suburb for a million dollars and get change. Like, and now I'm in, in Paris with two kids and a wife and the weather's beautiful and I'm concerned about them putting their shoes on fast enough so we can go to the Louvre because I'm going to miss out on this thing. Like embrace the now. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think for uh, business owners who are like me who are a bit more visionary and, and very, very future focused is you forget to appreciate what you have. Yeah. I have a whiskey bar. I have a house. I have a car. I have a thing. You know, how, how lucky am I to, ha to be able to experience and have these things? Yeah. Um, and where I've come from to be able to get that as well. I've yeah. had to work my ass off, but I've, I've been able to stand up for what I believe in. I've been able to support people around me. And now I have this one extra little bit of comfort or something like that, which is great. And I think if you appreciate now as well, you'll support your team better because one of the things I know a lot of accountants are doing at the moment is they're almost promising that golden goose. It's like, yeah. you stay with me instead of going to the top four or whatever the, the, the career aspirations could be, you stay with me and you know, you'll be golden going forward. But if you appreciate now, then it may not be financially, you can give them whatever they need, but maybe you can work with them a little bit more. I know you talk a lot about mm. like supporting the team and, and figuring out what they need and what they want and actually asking that question, which. Mm. But it's using the five love languages for how people feel appreciated. You know, yeah. you know, is it time? Is it, um, it gifts? Is it access service? Is it, you know, what is it those things that they feel appreciated? But, um, but it is. So like, I, I kind of liken that to now, like I need to be respectful of the past. I need to understand and appreciate the present but I need to have a view, a vision for the future. But how do I do that at the same time? And that's the hard part mm. because the hard part for me is like, oh, you know, I might be thinking right now. And, and to be honest, I was, I was talking to someone this morning about it. Are you coming, are you coming back next year? Are you going to come and speak next year? And I'm like, yeah, look, I'd, I'd really like to, like, I, I feel like I've got a lot to share and I'd really love to do that. And that'd be really important and whatnot. But like, that's next year. Yeah, 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 exactly. And if all I'm thinking about is next year, I'm not worrying about the fact that I'm sitting down with a couple of awesome humans having a chat about what we do. I'm thinking about next year. Yeah. And so all of a sudden I'm going to behave like I want what next year. And I'm going to start selling shit. I'm going to start being greasy and gross. But if I can appreciate where I am and where I've come from, then it gives me balance in yeah. how I approach my life. i am always got an ear open for opportunity. And if someone says, hey, you know, we'd like you to come and speak or, hey, I'd, it'd be great if you could mentor me or, hey, like, can we get you involved in this thing? I can be open for those conversations, but I have to appreciate where I am now and what I'm actually going through before I start taking advantage of future things that might actually cause me grief. Love it. Wow. I mean, 
We were excited about you coming on and being our cool friend. And we knew you were going to be the coolest of cool friends, but wow. So thank you so much for your time, giving us some honesty, opening up, being raw. The value you've shared with not only us, but with our user, uh, listeners. I mean, you know, sometimes you come across like a, a podcast episode or a book. So there's a book I listened to six years ago. Big ideas for small businesses from a guy called John Lamberton. What I a listen- name. Yeah. From south of England. Like I listen to his book every year. Mm. I still go through it and I, rem- oh, I need to refocus on that. I've not looked at that recently. And a lot of the stuff you've said tonight, I'm sat there going, if I, if I had one wish from last year when you were touring, is we had a recording of that <laughs> session because there was so much in that session, content and value-wise, that I wish I could listen back to. I think in the last two hours of recording, you've decanted a lot of that value again. Mm. So regardless of what our listeners will be doing, this is something I, one of the episodes I would be listening back to regularly and just picking out the value every time mm. and revisiting it and reminding myself I need to refocus on that. And if you so want to listen boring. to the second best accounting podcast, obviously yours is the best. I was about to say plug time. You can have yeah. a listen to the um, Ellie and Andrew's all Aussie accounting adventures. So um, I, I run two different podcasts. One, Ellie and Andrew's all Aussie accounting adventures is our stories. Ellie Garrett, who runs All In Advisory in Australia, Adelaide, she's an absolute amazing human. Um, I always joke about that she's old because she's like 10, 12 years older than me, but she's her body clock is way earlier than mine. She's she's fit and healthy. Um, but we talk about um, the world of accounting through the business owner's eyes. We we go into detail how we price things, how we market things, how we deal with HR and people. Um, if you want to listen to an episode that will ruin you, listen to the one called Farewell Andrew, which is me really unpacking my decision to step away from Illuminate, but also unpacking that day of the five-year vision and where I was at and what I went through and, and how I felt. Um, so have a listen to that as well as the other stuff too. We, a second podcast that we run, uh, I don't actually um, speak on it other than maybe a bit of promo stuff here or there. It's the All Aussie Accounting Adventures Tech Edition. Um, and on that, we've got um, Jack Teal, who's the Australian representative from Early Adopters Hub, um, oh, wow. and Amy Holdsworth, who runs Clarity Street in Australia, which is a, an accounting tech and change implementer. Those two are possibly the wisest, most knowledgeable people in the accounting tech space that I know. And they share openly some incredible stuff, like a recent episode on, you know, all in one or, or best in class. So they did a deep dive into, you know, documentation for accounting for tech. So, like, the amazing stuff. So, um, have a listen to those podcasts. You'll only hear me talk dumb promo stuff on the tech one, but you'll probably get more value out of it in terms of tech. But if you want to, like, learn about how Ali and I go about running our businesses and the challenges that we face, and as well as hear really bad dad jokes. Um, that's Ellie and Andrew's all Aussie accounting adventures. I love it. And final plug, where uh, where can people find you? Is it LinkedIn, Instagram? Go for it. I'd say the two best places to find me, or three best places, other than the podcast, the best places would be via LinkedIn. Andrew Van D. Beek is me. Um, or I've got a website, andrewvandebeek.com.au. Um, and you can reach out and say, hey, I'd like to have a chat, you know, if you'd like to... I don't know, spend some time with me one-on-one and, and, and get a bit of support in your journey or whether you're a tech 
company out there and you want a bit of perspective or whether you're simply running a conference and you think some of the dumb shit that I talk about could be valuable, um, hit me up. Um, I'd love it. And, um, and yeah, other than that, just let's just be mates. And I just, I just like, I'm continually dumbfounded by how openly generous and amazing this industry actually can be when you actually step properly into it and that's been the last five or six years for me is really leaning into the potential of this industry and what us as individuals and and professionals can actually do and then the value you get back out of that is just redonkulous so thanks guys for having me on it's been it's been real i honestly think we could talk for another hour or two um and we probably will but off the air uh and we'll go from there definitely thank you i mean yeah Book this for us, right? This was uh, one of the reasons we wanted to start a podcast was get cool friends. And like I said already, like the coolest cool friends. Maybe, so maybe we'll do a, like a six-month check-in or something like that. It'll yeah. be fun. <laughs> we'll when it. you come to Australia. Yeah. Of course, yeah, we'll come on talk. Just, just to see Road. No, yeah. to see you as well. <laughs> so that's it. That has been Ask the Accountants. We have cool friends. As I said, the coolest cool friends. And Peter Crouch, we beat you to the venue, and I think we beat you to the best Uh guest that could be as well i, think, I you know, agree yeah you've 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 outdone peter count podcast so love that done. so as always if you want to listen to more of us talking then you can find us on 8 30 a.m every single monday morning where we'll be live to the nation talking about everything to do with the world of accountancy and as andrew says make sure you get yourself subscribed to his podcast and as always we'll see you soon bye for now <laughs>